Welcome back to Hopeful Harvest Acres. This is Abby. On today's episode, we are in week eight of the Excellent Wife series titled The Wife's Domain Home. If you would, grab your Bibles, a cup of coffee, and let's jump right in. Welcome back, everybody. So glad that you're joining me as always. If you're new here, welcome. We've been going through a book titled The Excellent Wife by Martha Peace. We're already on week eight, chapter eight. Today we're focusing on the wife's domain, home. There are two parts to this week. We're going to focus on being a worker at home. We're also going to focus on creating a godly atmosphere in the home. If you are new here, like I do each week, I want to encourage you to take the time to go back through to listen to weeks one through seven. But glad that you're here today. Come along with us as we dive into chapter eight, the wife's domain. Now, what I first want to address is that the topic of a woman being a worker at home, aka a stay-at-home mom, this is very controversial in our society. And I say this because at one point in time, I thought that this was a wrong view of what a woman should be doing. I thought to myself, well, why can't a woman be working outside the home? What's the big deal? So we're going to talk about a couple different situations where perhaps it is going to be most ideal for a woman to be working outside of the home. But in most circumstances, I do believe that it is the biblical call of women, especially women with young children who are not of school age, for those women to be spending a majority of their time at home. As we dive into chapter 8, we're going to see Martha give us a picture of two different Christian wives. We have Tracy and we have Stacy. Now, Tracy is a woman who loves the Lord. Tracy is very busy. She loves to go places. She cannot say no to anyone. It seems that every minute of every day, she is committed to being somewhere or doing something. All of her activities are involved around doing church things, preparing meals for the church, teaching Sunday school, singing in the choir. She may be teaching the children's Bible classes. She's volunteering at her kids' schools. And there's not a single day that she is ever at home. Maybe Tracy's husband has came to her and asked her to slow down. But Tracy says that she's doing everything that she can because she doesn't want to be selfish and all the things that she's doing are good. Now, this is just one view of how we as women should not be living our lives. To be so busy, for our schedules to be so filled with seemingly good things, this can take away from our time at home focusing on our husbands and our children. And now we see another example, Stacy. Stacy, on the other hand, she is very lazy. She is at home, but she's mostly spending her time watching TV. She sleeps in late. She lets the kids fend for themselves while they are getting ready for school to get on the school bus. She's up late at night reading books or watching a show that she enjoys. Her days are spent talking on the phone. She's coming up with all, all sorts of projects, but she's never actually following through with any of them. And her husband has asked her to take her work seriously and to take care of the family. 
Now, remember, they're both Christian women, but they need to get their priorities straight. We have one that's a busy body who can't say no to anyone, and we have one that's actually a sluggard who needs to find herself being more productive. And so, again, it is an unpopular opinion to say that a woman should be a worker at home, but we're going to focus on that today as we go through chapter 8. If we were to read Proverbs 31, I've read this before on prior episodes, I encourage you to take the time to read through all the verses that are, that are laid out for us in Proverbs 31. If you're not familiar with the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs was primarily written by King Solomon. Solomon was the son of David, so Solomon was reigning and he asked God for wisdom and God gave him just that. He was an extremely wealthy man, but he had wisdom beyond most of our comprehension. And so he wrote this beautiful proverb about a virtuous wife, a godly wife, and what her life stands for. And we see that in Proverbs 31, they're laying out for us qualities of a godly Christian wife. So take the time to read Proverbs 31. I do want to highlight that out of the 22 verses, Martha tells us that there are nine verses directly relating to her work inside of the home. She says the excellent wife's home-based ministry does not apply just to King Solomon's day, but to our day as well. The Apostle Paul wrote to Titus about this very issue. Let's read Titus 2 verses 3 through 5 together. It says, Older women are to teach what is good, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. So what we're addressing today is what is the definition of being a worker at home? And so we need to go to the Greek translation for us to understand exactly what I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce this Greek word that's listed for us that is for being a worker at home. But I want to highlight that if we took this specific word, it's spelled O-I-K-O-U-R-G-O-S. We break this into two parts. And the first part means a dwelling, a home, or a household. And the second part means to work or to be employed. So a worker at home is someone who guards the dwelling or is a keeper of the household. Common sense would dictate that the younger women, for the most part, would have to be at home to accomplish this objection objective well. Now, as ladies who are pursuing godliness in the Lord, we should be looking to scripture for what God has to say about us as women and what he requires of us as women. If we are in a marriage relationship and we have had the privilege to bear children, maybe you have been living out this biblical guideline for some time, Maybe, rather, you're like me and you've came to know the Lord at an older age. You've already had younger children 
And now your eyes are being opened to this truth. And now you're taking steps forward with how can I be a worker at home? Now, I will admit that since being home full time for the last two years, there are times that I have sinful desires for wanting to return back. These sinful desires, perhaps for you as they have been for me, are to want to avoid becoming a non-person. As I'm at home with little kids, especially my two little ones that do not go to school full-time, they are two and four years old, I sometimes find myself doing these monotonous tasks day upon day, and I get trapped in this lie that what I'm doing is not important, it's meaningless, that well, they'd be just as good to be off at a babysitter somewhere, so why not just have me go to work? We could bring in extra money. And so these are sinful thoughts that I sometimes struggle with. And then there's the question, well, what would you be doing if you actually brought in this extra income? If you are currently in a position where you have made adjustments, which we'll talk about this soon. If you are dealing with debt currently, how can you possibly quit your job and be a worker at home? But if you're in a position where any money that you would be bringing in would be extra because currently you're able to pay your bills with your husband's income and you staying at home, well, what would you do with that extra money? Would it be used to buy things out of selfish gain material things that you nor your family really need? I think that you have to wrestle with those questions and ask the Lord to help you as you're having the desire to work more. And maybe it's to relieve your husband of his responsibility to work. Ladies, God calls us to be workers in the home. Now, if you remember back to whenever Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and God has put a curse on the ground, everything has fallen from its good, perfect state. Adam and Eve are aware that they are naked and they feel shame. And so God has to punish them because God is a holy and just God and he cannot leave the guilty unpunished. And so to Eve, we've talked about this, he tells her that in pain she will bring forth children. He will multiply her pain during childbirth. And Eve will seek to rule over her husband, but in fact it will be his job to ultimately rule over her. But if we look at what God has told Adam in the early pages of the book of Genesis chapter 3, we see that he tells him that by the sweat of his brow, he will work all the days of his life, that he will wrestle with the thistles and the thorns that have taken over the crops where he is going to have to put in tiresome days to provide for his family. And so we know that it is the man's role to go and work and provide for the family. Now, of course, there's going to be situations where a man is providentially hindered from being able to go to work. Maybe they have a physical disability 
maybe they have lost their job for a short time and they're in a situation where they're in between jobs and they're looking for that income to provide for their family again. But if a man is just seeking to be lazy and he doesn't want to go and work, that would be a selfish reason for a woman to go and pick up extra hours if you're needing money to physically provide for your family. Now, godly motives that we should be replacing these sinful motives with, because these are going to come and these are going to go. Being home has been a great blessing to our family. I'm fully aware this is where the Lord has called me to. But let's remember, we're going to be deceived at times, and we're going to be lured away from what our calling is, and the world's going to entice us with fancy, shiny things, so to speak, or a better life. But we must cling to what God says is true. So godly motives. First of all, we need to learn to be content. Philippians 4.11 tells us that Paul had learned to be content in all circumstances. Whether he had or he was lacking, he trusted that God would provide if he was taking steps forward in what God was calling him to do. We need to show gratitude to the Lord for what he has given us, for what we do have, instead of seeking to obtain things because we want a better status or we want nicer things inside of our home or perhaps we're just wanting to find ourselves again because we feel that we're losing ourselves in motherhood, which can I remind you? that we have a biblical call as Christians to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus. And so when we lose ourselves, we're gaining Christ all the more. And we should be remembering that whatever we are doing each and every day, whether they are our thoughts that we're thinking or the acts that we're performing, We should be doing all things for the glory of God. I love the saying that everybody wants to do ministry, but nobody wants to wash the dishes. Oh, how this is so true. Women, if you are inside the home or if you are prayerfully considering moving forward with taking you out of the workplace to be inside the home, can I remind you? Or just give you a little bit of insight right now, if you're not quite there. The work that you are doing inside the walls of your home is the most meaningful work you will truly ever do. As you disciple your children and you love your husband, don't let the world feed you in to any of the lies. You may be washing dishes where no one sees you, but God does. And that's what matters. Now, as I mentioned a little bit ago, there may be situations where we see a couple is in so much debt that it's just not feasible in their minds for a woman to stop working and for them to rely solely on one income. You may have 
multiple car payments that are costing you, I don't even know, 400, 500 plus dollars every single month. You may have credit card debt, student loan debt, and there's just no way possible that you could take away your wife's income. I want to encourage you, if you're not familiar with Dave Ramsey, my husband and I sat down and we listened to one of his audiobooks talking about the basic steps to move forward with becoming debt-free, saving up your $1,000 um, savings money for an emergency situation, and then moving forward with doing the gazelle debt payoff where you are focusing on your smallest debt to your largest debt. That was really hard for my husband to process because he lived in the thought that we should be paying off the highest interest rate first rather than the smallest debt first. But Dave really goes into explaining why you should pay off the smaller loans or credit card debt, whatever it may be, and then work your way up to build momentum and to be encouraged as you see that debt slowly getting closer to having only one or two payments versus having five or six payments. And then Dave encourages you after you've paid off all your debt, you've saved up your emergency money to then move forward with saving up three to six months of your monthly spending. So if you spend, I don't know, $5,000 in a month on all of your bills, then you need to have saved up at least $15,000 to $30,000 to be able to provide for your family in a situation where your spouse passes away, you lose a job, you have difficult financial burdens that plague you during that time. And so after that, Dave goes into talking about being more generous with giving apart from your monthly tithe that you're giving as a Christian to your local church body. And then really moving forward with saving for your children's college funds, paying your house off and things like that. So there are so many resources available to help us to move forward with paying off debt. But the first step that you have to take is acknowledging that you indeed do have a problem at hand. Seek the Lord for guidance. Ask him to show you how you can take steps to move forward. In extreme circumstances, maybe a way for you to be able to stay home is selling your house and downgrading to a smaller home that requires less of a monthly house payment. That may seem like a really big deal. I personally think that that would be one of the most selfless things that you could do for your family. And how I want to encourage you ladies, if you're in a situation where you're like, this is a no-brainer, if we sold our house and bought a house half the amount, I'd be able to stay home. Oh, how your family would be blessed. You won't miss that house. I promise you, you won't miss the house. There may be times that you'll become discontent and you will have ungodly thoughts and motives 
they'll come and they will go. We must repent, ask the Lord to help us. But that's a possibility for you to sell your home and to downgrade. Just a few things to think about. Now, maybe you're in a situation where if a wife was to quit her job, you think that you wouldn't be able to afford the lifestyle that you were once living. And that will be true in some respects. There may be things that you were able to afford if you were working 40 plus hours a week. But I really want to encourage you to take the time. If you're paying for childcare, take that into consideration. Take into consideration how much you're paying a week to travel back and forth to work. How much you're paying to eat out. Maybe you need to look more intentionally at your family's grocery budget and meals that you can be making and eating at home from scratch versus eating more food outside of the home. And in general, this is something so small, but not buying all name brand things. We love the store. It's called the Country Closet in Flora. They have wonderful clothing for women, men, kids. And so this is a great resource to utilize If you're used to buying all name brand things, you can still get name brand clothes, but they are going to be like an eighth of the price that you would pay to go to Kohl's or even to Walmart or any other local department store where you're currently buying your kids clothes. Just something to think about. Possibly this would mean that for you to stay home, your husband would have to get a part-time job to provide some extra income. But Martha really wants to highlight how if a husband gets a second job to make ends meet, but the wife is at home, if you are taking care of the cleaning and the organizing and the grocery shopping, the cooking, having meals on the table when your husband is home and your family is together, you're making sure that your kids are ready to go if they are being sent off to school that you know what's going on with their weeks what homework they have coming in and things they need to be studying for and etc your husband is going to have that load lifted off of him versus when you were both working outside of the home and you were both trying to juggle these extra tasks now you would be home to be able to tend to those things while your husband can go out and get a part-time job and you're still going to have more meaningful time together as a family. Now some of you ladies may have your heart set on being at home but your husband however is objecting to you quitting your job and staying home. Now I want to encourage you to first if this is something that you know is going to be your situation that you're ready to move forward with this, but your husband is going to object, I say really have a look at your finances. Know exactly how much you're bringing in weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, and then know the areas that you would be decreasing by not having to pay for childcare, gas costs, extra money to eat out, etc. And then, of course, present to him the positives of having more energy to help him with extra tasks that you didn't have the energy to do before 
and really present it to him in a way that he has a clear picture of how it's going to greatly benefit your family for you to stay home. Now, if he is still insisting that you go to work, is it wrong for a wife to listen to her husband and to go to work? No, you absolutely should be submissive to what your husband is calling you to do unless you as a wife can show him that it would result in you sinning by going off to work. And a situation of this would be if your husband is just not willing to pick up any extra time at work, maybe he's not even working at all at this point and he's just relying on your income and he's just sitting around the house and and not doing anything. Pray that the Lord would open his eyes and show him that he is to be in the position of going off to work to provide for your family. But again, like I said, if a wife is just having to go outside of the home to pick up the extra slack for her husband so that they can buy these material things, vice, etc., I believe that this would be doing it for the wrong motives. Some may ask the question, what if a wife's husband becomes ill or he dies? What do you do in a situation like that? We look to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. This lays out for us how the church is to care for widows in situations like this. Now, of course, some churches will object to this. And so then the wife may have to go out and still get a job. Maybe she'll have to work inside of the home or she'll have to physically leave the home and work outside. But at all costs, a woman, even in the situation that her husband dies or becomes ill, she should seek the Lord's guidance for whether or not she should work outside the home or whether she should seek another means to keep her there, whether that be going to her local church and asking for their support or in some situations, you know, women are going to have a husband's life insurance policy that they can live off of for some time. Again, this is something that Dave Ramsey talks about. If you listen to any of his material, he really encourages husbands and wives to look into having adequate life insurance in the event that a spouse does die. Because in a situation like this, a wife would be able to stay home for an allotted amount of time as she seeks the Lord's guidance and makes preparations for what happens once that money is no longer there. We're going to look at the characteristics of a self-disciplined person. So the word tells us that we are to do all things heartily as unto the Lord, Colossians 3, 23. And in Martha's book, she has a chart that lays out the qualities of a lazy person versus the qualities of a self-disciplined person. We're going to read a few of these verses and just compare them side by side. So the first verse comes from Proverbs 6, 9 through 11. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep 
a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and your poverty will come in like a vagabond, and your need like an armed man. This verse is really highlighting the fact that, of course, we're supposed to rest. We know that the Lord's Day is a time to really reflect and to spend time with the Lord, going to worship with his people, and just taking the time to do things that you may not have been able to do as you've been busy working throughout the week. We know that we physically need sleep for our bodies to be restored each day, but there is also a fine line of not falling into a state of pure laziness. We need to be making sure that we use our time wisely. The Bible tells us that the days are evil and that we need to be seeking the Lord each and every moment of every day. So this verse is basically saying that if you lie around and you're sleeping too much, you're wasting your time with lying on the couch and scrolling on social media, not getting up out of bed when you should be taking that time to get up and spend time with the Lord and prepare your home and your children for the day. Well, it says that you're gonna you're wasting your life. Now, when we compare this to a self-disciplined person, we go to Proverbs 6 verses 6 through 8. And it reads, "Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. This is showing us an example of the busyness of an ant. Ants are intentional. They are making preparations in the summer so that in the winter they will have food to physically eat. It is a picture for us as women to be looking ahead at our schedules, to be prioritizing our time and giving ourselves in a way that we are making the most of each and every day that God has given us under the sun. I think another thing that we can do to be self-disciplined is to remember to put others above ourselves. Now, this is not me saying that you shouldn't, again, be getting up and preparing your heart and perhaps throwing some makeup on a clean new set of clothes, you're ready to go to serve, and you shouldn't be focusing on eating a healthy diet with adequate water, incorporating some exercise and sunshine into your day. I don't believe that this is being selfish. I just believe that this is taking care of your basic necessities, things that you're going to need to serve others. And once you have done these things and you've spent time with the Lord, we need to take the focus off of ourselves and we need to be thinking about the needs of others. We need to be thinking about how can we make our husband's day run smoother? How can we be sure that we're getting our kids off to a good start so that they will be well-fed, ready to learn, ready to be saturated with whatever their teachers are teaching them for the day? Or if you're homeschooling, preparing them so that they can be equipped to learn and be taught to serve the Lord as well. Another verse that is referring to a lazy person is also from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 19:15, and it reads, 
Laziness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle man will suffer hunger. A lot of the verses that talk about being a sluggard are referring to physical food. And I know in some aspects, this is hard for ourselves to wrap our heads around, seeing that we live in a time and a culture where food is so readily available to us, we don't necessarily have to go out and plant a garden. We can go to the local grocery store. We have a lot of food that is packaged in frozen containers, in cans, etc. So that way, we're not having to go out and prepare all this food. But during the time that King Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, we see that it was very important that you go out and physically plant your garden and your harvesting and you're putting things away so that you do have food to eat. Now, I think in many respects, it's still a call for us today that we shouldn't be solely relying on grocery stores and frozen food restaurants to provide for all of our needs. If it's at all possible. I believe that it is a great benefit to you and your family and it's a great skill for you to acquire as well as pass down to your children and hopefully grandchildren many generations to come to learn how to grow and preserve food. Not to mention all of the beautiful biblical pictures that are laid out for us in regards to planting and harvesting and storing. And so we're missing out on the beauty of scripture if we never plant anything, I believe. Now, again, you may not have access to a field or you may live in the city to where you don't have even a small plot of land. And so that's not a possibility for you. And so in no ways is this a call that you should be going out and storing your food to have things to eat. But it is a call for us to be diligent and being good with the resources God has given us, good stewards, and to be thinking ahead, planning and making preparations so that our family has nutritious food to eat and so that we are not just wasting our time sitting around, relying on the government, relying on frozen food and restaurants to feed us and our family. Now, the self-disciplined verse that goes along with this is from Proverbs 31, 15. It reads, She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. When we look at the excellent wife in Proverbs 31, she was not only feeding her family, but she had a business that she was running out of her home. She had people employed for her business, and so she was not only feeding herself, her husband, her children, but she was feeding the people that were working for her. Not all of us are going to be in situations like this, but I believe that it is a call for us to not be wasting our time. When we rise of a morning early, it gives us the opportunity to have that quiet time with the Lord. Given the fact that you're not in a season where you have a newborn baby that's waking you up every hour and a half. I talk to many moms who say, it's just not feasible for me to get up early and to have that time with the Lord 
because, well, I'm not sleeping at night. Ladies, give yourself some grace and understand that there will be a season where your baby is sleeping through the night and you can, again, get to better, a decent hour, hopefully get a somewhat decent night's rest <coughs> to where you're waking up of a morning and you can get up before your kids are up for the day. So that way you can be like this Proverbs 31 woman who is making preparations for your family. Now, as we talk about all of these wonderful godly characteristics that we as women should be desiring to possess, let's remember that in no way is this a call to perfection. And some of us, I find myself in this category more often than I'd like to admit, we want things to be perfect. We want our homes to be perfect in a way that we don't even want them to look like they are lived in. We don't give our children and our husbands our attention because, well, we're busy making sure that every little piece is where it should be at all times. Our families are more important than a clean, perfect home. Do I need to say that again? Our families are more important than a clean and perfect home. In many ways, I believe that the Instagram world, the social media, HGTV, whatever it is that you find yourself gravitating to, to get ideas for what your home should look like or what you should be doing as a mother, they give us this false reality of a perfect home with perfect children and a woman who just looks so perfect and is always happy. <clears throat> and while we should be women who are seeking to put on joy, that should be the tone we are setting each and every day for our families. Our lives won't be perfect. Our homes won't be perfect. Our children won't be perfect. And well, we're not perfect. If that were the case, why would Jesus have needed to come? We are imperfect people who have a perfect Savior. And so we need to keep in mind that there's going to be times that our schedules are providentially hindered. Maybe you have a kiddo that's sick and you're used to getting all of your laundry and dishes done in the morning. And well, now you have a kiddo with a fever on the couch who just wants to be held and wants you to hold a cold rag on their forehead while they are throwing up. Ladies, it's okay to let things go for a while. We are not wanting to be perfectionists. We're just seeking to not be lazy <coughs> sluggards. We need to be making sure that there is a balance between doing the work that the Lord calls us to do and not getting caught up in perfectionism. Switching over now to part two, which is titled creating a godly atmosphere in the home. I talked about setting the tone of your family. If you were to ask your husband or your children to describe you in a few words, what would they have to say? A few years ago, I asked my husband this and he said, you want me to answer this honestly? I said, yeah, I do. He said, honestly, Abby, I feel like we're always walking on eggshells with you. And I realized then that I was seeking to be the perfectionist that thought everything to needed, needed to be done in a certain way things needed to look a certain way. And I was totally disregarding the fact that I had real human beings with real life problems 
who needed a real mom to come to for them to be heard and not to just be shushed away to the side so that I could continue on with the things that I thought needed to be done. And so I encourage you to ask your husband, ask your children, how would they describe you honestly? And take that constructive criticism and move forward with setting a tone for your family that will be a tone of joy, a tone of optimism, and a tone of delight in the Lord and in your family. Your family is not a burden. And if you're looking at the tasks that are set before you or the people that are sitting in front of you as a burden, well, we need to take the opportunity to confess our sins to the Lord, repenting and moving forward with seeking the joy that is available to us as Christians. So to finish up for the day, what are some things that we as women can do to create a godly atmosphere in our homes. And what I want to encourage you ladies to do today is to first and foremost meditate upon the qualities of God and the fact that His Spirit lives inside of you. His Spirit can help you to possess these same qualities. As we reflect upon the person of Jesus Christ, And as we look to his word to guide us, we have the most perfect example. We cannot let our minds be filled with lies and images of what we think a godly atmosphere looks like or should feel like. Rather, let's go to the one who died for us. He took our place, took on the penalty of sin, so that we could have a personal relationship with God, our creator. I think that we really need to let go of perfectionism, but again, at the same time, refrain from being lazy. And we need to also remember that the people living inside of our homes are more important than a perfectly clean home with perfectly planned schedules. It's the people in our lives that matter the most. Thank you ladies for joining me today as we talked about the wife's domain, our homes. I do hope that you have a better understanding of what it means to be a worker of home. Despite what society says, let's decide to look to God, trusting his word, for he is faithful and true. Until next time, I hope that you have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.